0: Welcome into episode number 11 of the Motown Rundown, your home for all things sports in the city of Detroit. Per usual, I am still your host, Ryan Rabinowitz, joined by my dear friends, Trent Bailey, Ryan Collins. Gentlemen, how are you? Uh, been better. Been better. I don't like to hear that. <laughs> Was it because of what happened this weekend on Saturday? Yeah, it's tough. It's yeah, tough. I hear you. Trent, Sunday, Sunday right? made
1: it a little better.
0: That, uh, that that begs the question for me. I wanted to ask you guys. Now, obviously, we're going to talk about the Lions' win over Miami on Sunday. Would you trade a Spartans' win for a Lions' loss?
2: No,
1: I wouldn't. No. Either. I wouldn't either. I'm sorry, I I can't really? say so. No,
2: you're th- wait, 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 wait. I, I I'm going to be an idiot. I completely reread. I definitely would have took a Spartans' win this weekend. It's- and alliance Lions
0: lost. Oh yeah, I'm saying in a sense of I would I would much rather have had the other the opposite. Yeah, I yeah. would much
2: rather. Yeah, I mean, so.
0: obviously, obviously, there's no there's no hiding that we are we are two or we are three MSU students. We are MSU Spartan fans. Um, we're not going to get into the game because that's yeah. not what we do here on the Motown Rundown. <laughs> it's not the East Lansing Rundown. But I was just thinking, like Saturday, I went to the game. Did you go to the game, Collins? Yeah, yeah. And Trent, you were at the game. Yes. Uh fall through the rain, the cold, the frostbite, the hypothermia, all that jazz. And like I it honestly just killed the move for the weekend. Like I was watching the Lions and I was like, you know what? I expected the Lions to win, they did. But I mean, I would have much rather seen the Spartans win on Saturday, and I would have I would have dealt with the Lions loss on Sunday, and we would have had a re- a real fun time yeah. talking about that yeah. today. But I don't know. Here's what I really will
1: did. say about it is once Felton Davis went down, it's kinda like this season's over. Like, it was if we was could so just get this win against Michigan, that'd be sweet, and I won't care, you know, like whatever happens, happens. Right.
2: But oof. The Lions sort of lost by fifty and I wouldn't have cared if Michigan State beat Michigan. I just yeah. the hatred towards Michigan. There's definitely something and, you're right, you're right. Yeah. And the fact that I had about six Michigan fans staying in my apartment. Was, that was probably fun. I hosted yeah, two as fun. well. Yeah. yeah. So yeah. But anyway,
1: nice.
0: despite yeah. despite the uh, the losing the losing ways for the MSU Spartans, we do have a team that got their first win of the season recently. The Detroit Red Wings are no longer winless, 4-3 overtime win in Florida over the Panthers on Saturday to I, I honestly it didn't really brighten my Saturday at all, but maybe <laughs> it did for some of you out there. Florida remains the only team in the league without a win this year. Dylan Larkin netting the overtime goal, and as we speak on this podcast right now, the Red Wings are battling the Carolina Hurricanes. As Peter Morazic turns home, um, not exactly sure how that game is going right now. I don't. Right, I really don't one care. One nothing. Really? Up, okay. Last time I it's, a, it's just a weird. It's a weird spot to be in when you're recording a podcast because you don't want people who are listening to this and you know. So as it sits right now, at, what is it was it 8:54 p.m. on a on a Monday. Yeah, Wings are down one nothing. There's your your update, even though when you hear this, you already know the score. But (laughs) anyway, look, like the Red Wings are a banged up team. They're still feeling out this this kind of newer wave of players. I mean, starting off the season, I believe they're one, five and two. I have to imagine things turn around. I mean, I mean, I'm curious as to what you guys think as far as are the woes here to stay the whole season? Like, is this team really a team that's going to finish dead last or do you think they turn it around?
2: I don't know. I don't think they have the leadership for this team to really turn it around. I mean, they have guys on this team who have been a part of winning teams. You have Howard, who's was there as for the playoff streak and was a big part of those good teams when he was in the midst. But I, I don't know. I just don't see this Red Wings team... They, they're young. They're just so young, and they're banged up to start the year. You you don't have Mike Green, who's probably your best defenseman, right. definitely on the offensive end, and you're in a struggle. So, I mean, they're oh, really young, and I don't see them getting – they're not going to be as bad as they've been right now because that's absurd. They have, <laughs> it took them how many games to win once? I have a six, seven, whatever. Yeah, yeah, whatever, yeah, yeah. Whatever, That's whatever not going to happen. Is. Yeah, that won't happen again. But I think they'll be a bottom three team in their uh, division.
1: Um, this is a very funky team when you just look at it because there is, it's a lot of young guys and I don't. It, it is nice that they got the monkey off their backs. You got that first one, you can sort of exhale, you can look at what you did in that game, albeit over time, but you can, you can build off of some things. There's some positives. You got to look at the film blast. She'll just keep the locker room focused, you know, cause the season, it just began, you know, it's a long season right. and we're just getting started.
0: I, I find, oh, oh, you know, I've I said it recently on the podcast. I, I find this team fun to watch, and I've gotten some questions about that from from friends, family, whatever. Is like how how do you think a one and f- one five and two team is fun to watch? And maybe it's just me, but they are going with the youth movement. I think the NHL in general is is transitioning more to this. It's all speed. It's all skill, and these young guys have that. I mean, they For they sure. really do. Yeah. So. I don't know. I mean, I guess I attribute the same thing, that the, the Tigers are a similar way. I don't think the Tigers this season were as fun to watch as the Red Wings will be, but, I mean, will you guys still tune in? Like, do
2: you care, or are you already checked out?
1: Yeah, by no means are they unwatchable, in my opinion. I don't know.
2: I know what you're saying, but right now I'm not going to watch them. I'll be sure, honest. If, yeah. I, if they pull up Sedina, I'll watch that game immediately. Right. I, so it'll be interesting what they do over the course of the year. I mean, Blashel's and is already getting heat. He's already – yeah. I, He's, that seed's hot. So it's going to be interesting how that goes over the course of the year if they continue to struggle this poorly, if they make a change earlier, like during the year. So I don't know. This Redwoods team is – the Redwoods as an organization is really interesting because with Iserman moving on from Tampa, it seems like every Redwoods fan is just waiting for Holland to run out right. so they can bring the prodigal son home. So It seems like with the, with the questions surrounding Blashill,
0: and, you know, granted, I think he came in – Taking over from Mike Babcock, it was it's it's big shoes to fill, and I think it was the Red Wings were kind of on the transition from having this really great team to you kind of saw pieces starting to pieces starting to fall apart, and you know, I think the the reason why Blashill maybe is taking the heat that he is is because when he when he came into this this I guess situation, it wasn't like the team was in shambles that they are now. I don't think anyone really expected the decline as much as it, it has been, but I mean that that begs the question then. I mean, do you believe that Jeff Blashill is the right guy for this rebuild? Because if if the answer is no, then something needs to change soon. Because the past two, three years, it's been bad hockey. And there really hasn't been a ton of hope for this team. And at some point here, I mean, you have you know young guys like Larkin, like Athanasiu. Uh, Chalowski's now, now up in the mix. These younger guys that you've been grooming are now really becoming the face of the franchise. So you'd have to think that at some point soon things have to turn around and if they don't turn around it while while these guys are still young and fresh, I mean, this rebuild could fall apart. So uh, do you, do you think that Blash the right guy? Do you think he needs more time before you throw the towel in and say, get rid of him?
1: Um, I'm always a proponent. I'm always a, uh, I'm in favor of like giving the coach a little bit of time. and He has, he's had time to be Mm -hmm. fair, but, um, you know, this, this roster is different than last year. Um, I don't know. I, I, if we, if we episode 16 rolls around (laughs) and we can ask that question again, I might have a better answer for you, but I, I like Blashill. I think that the young roster is his forte and I bringing him in. Like when we brought him in, I was, I liked it because he was in their organization already, like with the Griffins and whatnot, done good things with them. And I just, I'd give him a little bit more time.
2: I don't know. I I I think after this year, I think Blashill will be gone. I don't think it's any problem with his coaching. I just think, it's just not a good fit right now. Sure, and you, he walked into an organization who I think the playoff streak was still on when he was yes, there. Yeah, yep. I mean, he walked in a great roster with Hall of Fame players, at like Dodd, Sut and Zetterberg, and now this seems a a bottom feeder. So, right. I I don't think he wants to be around necessarily, and I don't think he appreciates the heat he's going under due to the fact that this roster is not built to win. So, I think he. I think it'll be a mutual. Parting ways eventually at the end of the year because I you need new energy when you're going with this youth movement. I think you just need a f- complete fresh start, and you could see that with Ken Holland too being drawn at maybe at the end of the year.
0: There's also a lot of talk about, and I guess it's it's been common. I guess you know that people brought up with the Pistons too, and this this idea of of tanking. And my my opinion on it, and I guess I I, I, just, I bring this up because there's a lot of people that I've I've seen on social media that. You know they're they're almost happy with the bad start because they want them they would like the wings to get a you know a top five top three draft pick. My thing with tanking it, it's hard for me to really understand when people say tanking because tanking to me sounds like losing on purpose. If that makes any sense. Yep, and then you, yeah,
1: it it ruins it. Like when you're watching sports, right. it Just kind of. Like... I think
0: I think and I I understand that the landscape of sports has changed and I think the mindset has changed as far as I. You know, I would have to ask. You know, my my dad and, and my uncles. Is this was this a topic that was being discussed? You know, back in the day, I feel like it's like a new. You know, teams and the the thought of trying to lose on purpose, if that's what people mean when they say when they say tanking, I don't really subscribe to that. I understand that. Obviously, the more games you lose, the better chance you have to get a good draft pick, but as someone who's played sports all my life, I don't know what it means to try to lose on a, from a performance standpoint. I just think you, I guess, can be get experimental. You let the young talent play. You you fumble with lines and, and try to find what works. So on that front, like, yeah, I'm fine with that because I'm going to tell you right now, seven, eight games into the season, the Red Wings probably aren't making the playoffs. And if they are, they're not winning a Stanley Cup. And, and I, I don't take any... Any consolidation or or what is it? Consolation prize? I I meant to say, in in the fact that you make the playoffs, you're an eight seed, seven seed, or you you advance one round. If you're not winning the Stanley Cup, I don't care. So, this idea of tanking for me, I I don't. I've never got it with any team with any sport. You know, I think you go out there and you try to win with what you have. I mean, uh, do you guys feel a similar way?
2: Uh, I I don't. I mean, I think the NHL is a little bit different than the NBA. Where the NBA, I think you do need to tank for your to properly rebuild a franchise because it's all about the top players in that league but in NHL I don't think you necessarily tank but I mean you could go you could not you could trade away guys who are middling players who can contribute on a good team and let your young guys play that's not necessarily tanking it's just giving an inexperienced team opportunity to grow and play through mistakes and that, that in a, in a way, is tanking. But, I mean, if you're a Detroit Red Wins fan, I think you wanted a Dallin Ross. What, what's his Rasmus name? Rasmus Dallin. Ra- yeah, yeah, Rasmus <laughs> Dallin. And you beat the Sabres, who were the last team, I think they won three straight at the end of the year, basically, to secure they didn't have a shot at the first pick in the draft. So I think a lot of Red Wins fans last year were upset by that. But, I mean, if you're going to be bad, why not be the worst? Why not get the first? Well
0: And then before I get to Trent, what what is your definition of tanking? Then, like when I when I say tanking to you,
2: what does that what does that mean? Tanking? It's mm, a good question actually. But I I think it means intentionally losing. I think you're not the players. I think okay. the I think the GM and whoever the president of operations is putting their team in a position not to succeed. And may, that might be bringing up a bunch of guys from Griffins, giving them opportunities, trading away maybe Jimmy Howard, and you see maybe a decline in goalie play. So, I mean, I don't know. That's what I've been taking is.
1: So, my first initial reaction to this question is just like, for me, and, and basketball and hockey in particular, that maybe this is just my opinion, I think it's painfully obvious if you were to try to lose you know what i mean like yeah. those are two sports where it's like
2: 76 or so yeah. 27 in a row yeah, yeah. it was and right. awful
1: and, and, and it was horrible and they didn't sell tickets and no once once your general manager alludes to the fact that you're tanking or anyone in your organization a player a coach whatever alludes to the fact that you're tanking you're not going to sell tickets you're not going to get tv ratings you know you're, you're not going to sell merchandise things like that because sports are only fun if this is like when people say the NFL's rigged I don't want to believe the NFL's rigged because then I'm not going to watch right yeah. like it's not it's not any fun so then my thing with tanking is like I I believe that winning is a part of growth so if if you're bad like Colin said if you're bad you're just you're bad like yeah. be the worst yeah. but also like what you said Ryan like I I don't know how you can just like intentionally lose or something like that so for me my definition of tanking would just be like I mean, you're kind of just rolling with the punches with a bad roster, you know. Like, you're not necessarily making moves to try to win because, right. yeah. But you're not, you're not intentionally losing, if that makes sense. It, There's there is a gray area there. So
2: Trent's the guy in the fantasy football league who cannot stand a guy who doesn't set his lineup. Absolutely, yeah. I, I hate. <laughs> yeah.
1: it. I played a guy like that last week. And you're I
2: just will... like, dude, come on, please. <laughs> yeah. I paid twenty bucks to be in this league. Can right. you just care for me? Yeah.
0: Admittedly, the past, I don't know what is going on now that we're on the topic. Before we move into some Pistons talk here. I don't know what is going on with my I have three fantasy football teams and I say every single year I'm doing one team, one league, (laughs) one team, because I I hate having like all the guy on one team who I'm playing in another league and there's too many games for me to pay attention to. And anyway, there's been like two or three weeks this year where i have had guys in my lineup that have not played like i this week <laughs> on one team i had Carlos Hyde in my lineup and I saw he got traded yeah but I didn't think anything of it and i have Melvin Gordon in another lineup and he didn't play <laughs> like i don't because when I wake up on on Sunday morning we have the green and white report at 11 a.m. probably triple plug there. from I the just, night before. I just, I don't, I have no, <laughs> I have no wherewithal to like look. At, I literally set my lineup on Tuesday. Yeah. Like after the Monday night game yeah. and the lineup resets, I set it on Tuesday. I make my waiver wire claims. I throw out trade proposals that nobody else responds to. That's just the leagues yeah. that I play in. And then I leave it. And if I see a guy that's, that's listed as out, obviously I don't play him, but. <laughs> My questionable, questionable guys, it's yep. like, Lead okay, they'll probably play. So, I don't know. That's but, just I can't believe it's, it's been happening to me this
2: I've year. I've been terrible in fantasy this year, but I think my biggest problem, I would be a terrible GM just for just for the fact that I have like too much belief in my picks. I'm like, you know what, guys? Yeah. Maybe this guy can turn it around. Maybe Marvin Jones is a bit weak. I'm not getting rid of him yet. Yeah. So.
1: I'm in a 16-man league, which what? is just outrageous. Wow. I know. Wait, so, what? And I had the second overall pick, and I got Le'Veon Bell before oh, all this stuff tough. started happening. So, I am 1-6. Yeah, and uh, we're, we're we're climbing, baby. We're climbing.
2: Sixteen man lead. Yeah, that's huge. That is yep. unbelievable. And got this. So my other I've running back is Marshawn
1: it. Lynch, and now he's out. I've never uh, even heard of a sixteen-man league. Oh, it's well, do you
2: have do you have like tight ends that are just not playing that are in your lineup? Yeah,
1: I have Luke Wilson on my roster. Oh, my. oh and, okay, okay. We'll move on. <laughs> yeah. That is unbelievable. Yeah. We started okay. at twelve, and then every year we, you know, you gotta have an even number, so sure. we just added two and Jesus two and Christ. sixteen. <laughs> well,
0: and we'll we'll drop the fantasy football talk for now. We'll, let's move on to the Pistons because the Pistons have rough to, a, If you can call it a hot start through two games, two and zero on the year, beating the Nets at home, one hundred three to one hundred, the season opener. And they top the Bulls on the road, one eighteen to one sixteen, Tuesday. So tomorrow for us, they will take on the Sixers at home. What are your guys' thoughts? Like through two, obviously two games, not much to work with. But
2: I mean, what what uh, what do you think as far as what you've seen from the team so far? I mean, it's exciting a little bit. You see Blake. I think he looks like he's taking a step. I mean, he looks way more comfortable behind the arc. I mean, sits of eight to start the year. That's pretty impressive and he's still playing that bully ball type of basketball where he just takes guys in the rack and finds his teammates or gets to the line. So that's exciting. But I, my, it's been interesting with the shooting guard and small forward position because you saw Luke Kennard start the first game, and then when Reggie Bullitt and uh, Stanley got back, he didn't play at all in Chicago. So yeah. that was interesting to see. I thought Dwayne Casey might play his younger players a little bit more. You saw Langston Galloway get more minutes there, so that was interesting, but uh, I think they, I mean, they honestly could have lost both these games, and yeah. they, they were in control of both of them, so that's a thing to take a look at with Casey being new, I think he's trying to figure out what he likes to do late game, first game you saw Reggie Jackson being Reggie Jackson at the end of the games, and the said game, I think they kind of almost gave that game away, but Blake settled them down, so, I mean, not too optimistic, I expect—I I would expect them to beat these two teams to start the year, but there's bright spots i mean there's things to be excited about i mean Blake looks like uh all star so far to start yeah but it's been two games so i don't know why i just said that
1: um <laughs> two and all on paper obviously that feels awesome but then yeah. you look at the plus five victory margin in both games and the thing is like you you alluded to this um they were in control with about four minutes left of each game, you know, up seven. I think they were up, up,
2: eight, up eight with, like, yeah. a minute left in Chicago when I yeah. was gave that, that game away. that was
1: ridiculous. Wide. But, in, you know, getting getting the team to the finish line, I guess that's all that matters. So 2-0. and oh, um, Blake definitely looks like a top-five player in the East. You're talking about, you know, Giannis, Kemba, Joel Embiid, a... Kawhi Leonard, maybe Kyrie. But Blake is right in there. He's top five. Mm-hmm. He's doing great. Drummond is going to win another rebounding title, I think. He's just a monster. The only reason he didn't play as much in Chicago is because he got in foul trouble drumming in his hairy but, shoulders I love yeah. <laughs> it <laughs> um Reggie looks right that's probably the biggest positive for me so far because coming in Reggie I was concerned um you know there was Dwayne Casey said he feared he might have came back yeah. a little too early but he he looks 18 and a half points five assisted two turnovers He's, what did you think about him
2: and ish playing together I they, don't
1: hate it and I it look I mean it looks fine they they Reggie, Reggie can play the two. I feel like
2: it was interesting though. They played, like, I think, over twenty minutes together yeah. in Chicago. So that's an interesting like topic to look at as the season goes on.
1: Ish, Ish is unselfish, and then Reggie's never seen a shot he doesn't like. Right. So <laughs> I, it, it works. It does work when you slide Reggie to the two. It, it's worked so far. And honestly, I read, a, I read an article. Uh, Coach Casey said that was the reason Kennard didn't get in. Is because that that rotation was working well, and then the flow of. Bullock and Stanley playing well together just it, yeah Luke he just didn't feel a need to put Kennard in there
0: do you feel that and I know that this this has come up last year as far as when you look at guys that the Pistons quote-unquote needed to trade is Reggie Jackson the long-term point guard here for the Pistons oh,
1: no. um I, it's tough to say because he he is a little injury prone at this point he hasn't played a full season since 2000 and either 15 or 16 I don't know but it's been a couple years and. Uh, I just, with my, with me, with Reggie, it's like, you have to be careful what you wish for. I remember last year there was in the past two years, actually, there was trade rumors for Kemba Walker. And I said, mm-hmm. if you can get that deal done, get it done. Yeah. They didn't. And I, Reggie's good enough. He's averaging 18 and a half. Like I said. Um, and I think that'll stay consistent. And if he can stay healthy, which is a big, if, um, I, I don't see why you would trade him because you also got point Blake, like Collins likes to say, um, <laughs> and it works, you know. It works. They're two and zero right now. Um, the big test is coming up, but long term, though, Reggie, I I like him a lot. I think he'll be fine. I but I, I can. If there was a better situation or a better opportunity to get maybe a step up at the point guard position, I wouldn't be opposed. I
2: I don't think he's a long-term solution if they want to go on and win a championship because he's he's clearly overpaid, and he's going to get paid. The, the way this deal works out is where it's back-loaded, so he gets paid more at the end of his contract, right. which doesn't make much sense to me. But it's—I don't know. I mean, you saw last year the rumors of him being traded for—two years though, the rumors of Reggie being traded for Rubio. Mm-hmm. I think a lot of Pistons would rather have Rubio as their point guard right now than Reggie Jackson. But, I mean— he, they immediately people are saying, no, oh, this is a bad contract. Now it's an expiring deal. So yeah. after this year, he's out one more year after this year. And a lot, I mean, $16, $18 million comes off the cap. So, and you still got, you, Blake has two more years after that. Andre has two more years after that. So it'll be interesting what to see they do in that free agency class. But I mean, I think this draft, they got to go out a point guard. I, it's just, I, you, he Reggie is a good player and solid player, but he's not going to take you anywhere special. He'll take you the most he's going to take you to is the sixth seed in the East. I just think in
0: general, looking at the, f- the first two games, I think the energy level is better, and I I think Reggie is a part of that because you know it, it hurt losing Reggie down the stretch last year because there could have been hopes of getting into the playoffs. Not that they would have done anything, but. I mean, one thing I love from Dwayne Casey that I've seen already is, you know, Stanley played 30 minutes against the Bulls. Like, yeah, that's, that's what correct. I want to yeah. see. And, and that's he, what you
1: brought him here to do.
0: Exactly. Yeah. And and I think he's, you know, he said at the beginning of the year that the, he he likes a guy like Stanley Johnson. He's going to give him time. And granted, Kennard didn't play against the Bulls, but I, I, I think you have, the Pistons are funny in a sense of these young guys, they have like a guy like Stanley, he's been in the league for a couple of years, you know, he, he was a pretty high draft pick and and I think people are are getting anxious to see what he really can do. So I'm glad that he got 30 minutes against the against the Bulls. I I think that he deserves to play those minutes, and he'll he'll just get better with time because he's a freak athlete. Yeah. And 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 he's solid. But I, you know, I, I think as far as as far as the Pistons stack up against the rest of the league, I guess we can just stay with the East. I mean, you guys have I'm sure been watching NBA basketball the first few games. I mean, from what you've seen. Uh, do you used to hold true that the Pistons are a legit, you know, middle of the pack team in the East that that should, and in my opinion, they should be, you know, at minimum a, a four or five seed. I mean, from what you guys have seen so far, and get, I grant it's only been two games for the Pistons, but I mean, how do you feel about
2: that take? I mean, I get it, but I think you're going to find out this week. I mean, they play Philly and Boston both at home this week, right. so you'll get to see them against the best teams in the East. But when I, I looked at this team. And I was a little, I mean, Reggie played a lot of minutes. I was really surprised to see that. I think he played over 30 minutes yeah. both games. That was pretty interesting to see. But I might have just bashed Reggie, but Reggie's better than Ish Smith. I, that's the worst take, I think, in Detroit, it's like in the last year, the last yeah. couple of years that Reggie, like Ish can get it done without Reggie. No, he can't. Reggie, he might make some bad decisions late game, but he also will win you two or three games at least. Right. And so I, I don't know, but. I think this team is probably their ceiling is probably the five seed okay. I, I i don't I don't really see them getting in that mix with Milwaukee 70 ers Boston and uh philly so I, I I just really don't see their ceiling being that high.
1: I think the ceiling is yeah four or five seed. and I think they'll get that. I really I I mm-hmm. think that's where they'll end up. And they I, they got to stay I, healthy
2: though because they look yes. like they're to play their starters a ton this
1: year for sure right. for sure. And that that's another reason why I'm I'm glad Reggie's playing and he looks right and he's playing these minutes because it does look like he's back to his 2016 form. But um, yeah I I don't know I like you said they play Boston twice in the next two weeks and Philly this week and uh you're going to find out quick if they can really hang with the top dogs in the East. By no means would I be surprised if the Pistons do beat the the Sixers. Oh, and the, and I wouldn't be surprised at all once.
2: if they were like 4-0, but I wouldn't put all my stock on the Pistons because you yeah. saw a hot start last year and you right. saw what happened. Yeah.
1: So, um, yeah, I, I, think that I, I do think we're going to make the playoffs. After seeing these first two games, you know, I, I predicted that coming into the season, but after seeing the first two games and Casey's, Style the run and gun and the young the young guys playing well, Drummond being a monster, Griffin playing through Blake, you know things like that. I, after seeing that, I think in this in this Eastern Conference, the Pistons have to make the playoffs and they will. And um, in in terms of yeah, where their ceilings at? I'm gonna say four or five. Yeah, I
2: would agree. They're definitely. I think they're gonna eat off the bottom a lot in this. Yeah, case. It, I think. It that, will I, yeah, them. I think. Yeah. I think they have too many veterans and guys who know how to win in the NBA to. Lose the teams like Brooklyn and Chicago, and there's a lot of Brooklyn and Chicago's in the East this year. So I think, yeah, they'll definitely be in the playoffs. But I think their ceiling's is a five seed.
0: All right. Well, two and zero start for the Pistons. We will have more on them as the weeks, where the weeks go on. Uh, I'm actually excited to watch Pistons this year. I think that's yeah. the one thing about them being two and zero is I, I think like as stupid as it sounds, an zero two start like might have had me checked out.
1: Yeah, yeah, like, yeah, Really, yeah. like that's that's like the Red ones. Exactly.
2: Like you say, the Red ones went like five and o. Oh, yeah. I'm two and Exactly. Can so, I say one last thing? Oh, of course.
1: Zaza Pachulia. <laughs> oh, no. Yeah, your least if here you, player. If you can give me 5.5 points, 7.5 rebounds, 2.5 assists like you're doing so far, I will rescind my comments from last okay. week. Okay. I'm just going to say.
0: <laughs> okay. I'm sure he's listening. I just want to be on
1: the record. Thank you, Zaza. <laughs> okay.
0: I love it. Now we got to move into the big topic of the week. Another Victory Monday for us here after nothing nothing going on last week because of the bye week. Lions going to Miami beat the Dolphins thirty-two to twenty-one. Matthew Stafford eighteen for twenty-two, two hundred and seventeen yards and two touchdowns. And my favorite stat that I get to read: Carry on Johnson nineteen carries for hundred and fifty-eight yards. That is one thing, and I will, I will probably say it every week because I'm still not satisfied with nineteen carries. I believe Blunt had ten. Yeah, but this kid is special. I mean, he's. I, I believe whatever I was reading the other day of. Of on Johnson now being ranked like fourth in, in like fantasy production or some, something along the lines of just the most valuable running back, uh, somewhere in the top five for him. And it, it's strange because like he has these games where they don't give him the ball and he's not that productive, and they take him out of games when he's playing well. But 158 yards, especially, you know, he he obviously was the one to break the narrative of the the the, the Lions going, you know, sixty whatever games of not having a hundred yard rusher. Now he throws 158 yards into the mix, and I love it. And I mean the the offense looked strong. And and for me, the O-line stepped up big this game. The consistency is starting to build. I think that it's starting to all come together. And I think a 32 spot is impressive on the Dolphins, but they they do have a pretty solid red zone defense. And again, my my gripe is just with with on Johnson. I think that he needs to be touching the ball. 25 to 30 times old school and you let Stafford when he has to sling the ball he slings it but I mean I don't know how do you guys feel about this offense after seeing this game against Miami
2: I mean you got this was the best balance you saw all year I mean it, plain and simple I mean when you run the ball like this a play action's open you saw Michael Roberts a guy from Toledo who I think people were a little bit excited about they thought there was a steal they got a couple of years ago but I mean he two touchdowns, 40 or four yards receiving. That was impressive to see. But, I mean, Karrion Johnson is averaging six yards per carry. Yeah, that's, that's all ridiculous. That's, that's like, awesome. ser- I mean, and he literally embarrassed Tico Alonzo and <laughs> gave, blew a kiss to him or something. And, I mean, he literally embarrassed him. He just destroyed him. And that's the second time he's done that in the past, what is it, three weeks? I mean, the guy's a beast. I mean, he looks special. I actually do like how they split the carries with him and Laguerre Blunt because I, you, the running back position is so, like, you don't want someone carrying the ball 38 times a game yeah, and just fair. being, like, dead and bruised. You want someone to have that juice in the fourth quarter. So I like how they use that. Interesting that Theo Riddick got inactive this week, though.
0: Yeah, well, Abdullah got what he got, one carry for Abdullah? Yeah, one yeah, carry yeah. for one yard.
1: Yeah. yeah. Um, To say real quick about Blount, 50, 10 carries for 50 yards and a touchdown, that is your trademark Lions running back for the last 10 years, right? Right then carry on Johnson. I just want to elaborate on this for a second. Like you said, Ryan 19 for 158. I want to repeat what you said a couple of weeks ago, hand your boy, the ball. Yes, it's sir. that simple. Yes, it's 444 sir. total yards of the season. So if you're going to the casino this week, play the play number four, um, <laughs> that leads, that leads all rookies. Like, let's think about this for a second. All rookies. That's Saquon Barkley. That's Nick Chubb. That's Sony Michelle. Like these are all guys in good systems, except, mm-hmm. you know, Chubb arguably, but, um, his 6.4 yards per carry leads or it's second in the entire NFL. This is a league with Todd Gurley. Well, he's actually ahead of him, but you get what I'm saying. Kareem exactly. Hunt, yeah, these yeah. kinds of guys. Karyon Johnson is the real deal, and if he keeps this up, he will have a legit case for rookie of the year because Saquon Barkley is not going to win any games. Right. And that will be the biggest thing that Johnson will have over him. So, And this is just an interesting stat to me. In wins, carry on is now averaging 15 carries per game, and in losses, 7.
0: Mm -hmm. Like that,
1: that, that is such obvious proof that you need to hand your boy the ball. Yeah. And I I don't know
0: what more you need to see. I remember saying a couple weeks ago when we were talking about San Francisco and you look at, you know, when they, when they had one over the Patriots, that was the first thing I brought up was the carry on Johnson had, you know, maybe like 15 to 18 carries in that window. And against San Francisco was like, I don't know, nine maybe something along the line. Yeah. Like I so that's that the proof is in the pudding there. But I, I the thing that, that that troubles me here and maybe just the pessimist in me, Brock Osweiler would play quarterback for the Miami Dolphins. And even if Ryan Tannehill were to play, I'm a i am I like Ryan Tannehill I like his work ethic. I like you know what he has to offer, but he's not a top tier quarterback. And again, maybe it's just the
2: pessimist in me. Do you consider this a quality win against the Dolphins this week? It's so iffy. You don't really know because the Dolphins really haven't like beat anyone good. Yeah, but like Osweiler like didn't play bad, and I don't. I he didn't look like a like a backup quarterback. I didn't think it was really a difference between him and Tannehill playing this week. I think both are probably about equal. But I mean, it's really tough to look at because I think you can look back and this Dolphins team could finish six and ten. Or could finish nine and seven. So I don't, it's kind of difficult to juggle, but I do look at it as a quality one because I think for the first time all year, you really saw the team, other than that Patriots team, I think you saw that formula during uh, that night game in the of Patriots. I mean, they dominated time of possession, they were able to run the football. So I think that's an impressive thing, and that's something to build on, definitely.
1: To address the question about Osweiler, um, he did have a few good throws. He had he had a great throw actually to Danny Amendola for that touchdown. Yeah, that it was, was nice. But um, to be honest, quality win, blowout win, close win, controversial win—it's a win. You know, the Lions are three and three now. That was a much needed win. It was that game was important. never close either. Right? Yeah, it wasn't. Oh, yeah. They, they led I, I, the whole time. Yeah, it was yeah, beautiful. And it was it was a very important win. This team now has some momentum. So I, I think it was it was a good good win, quality win. I will say yes.
0: What are your what are your takeaways from the defense? Because I I think you know the offense has proven that it, it can when it when it's working and the, all the parts are, are are moving in the offense it works as long as again our boys get in the ball. Um, defensively, you know, again, Matt Patricia was very adamant on not answering questions about Ziggy onto this weekend as presser. I mean, is, is the defense made strides from the bye week?
2: Uh, I mean, definitely. I mean, the interior looked a lot better, I think, this week. I mean, Ricky John Francois had two sacks. That's pretty. I, I don't. You haven't seen that production out of a DT all year. So that was good to see for their interior line. Jared Davis actually had a pretty good game. I think mm-hmm. he led to the team in tackles with seven. So, I mean, that's pretty impressive to see. I think they're big. I don't. The outside and the exterior is not really worrisome to me. I think they'll be fine there. I think Kennard's a good spot. If you get Ziggy healthy, they'll be fine. And your cornerbacks and secondary is pretty solid. They're solid secondary in NFL. I think it's all about them, Jared Davis, in the interior of that defense line. And if that's if they're able to perform, I think this defense will probably be around middle of the pack, maybe a little bit better than that in this league. And I think that's all you're going to need if the offense plays like they did on Sunday.
1: Jared Davis must be listening to the show because <laughs> he responded to both of you guys, um, and as he should have, uh, he, he probably has best game as a pro. Seven tackles, one tackle for a loss, a sack, and a 91 flat defensive rating against the Dolphins. That's and pretty rock solid. Their
2: out. run defense is pretty good. I think Kenyon Drake, I think they only had 100 yards yeah. running, and I think yeah. one of them was a 60-yard run Yeah, Kenyon he did Drake. break
1: that lock,
0: and I, which also hurts. I did not play him in my fantasy lineup, but whatever.
1: <laughs> and Frank Gore coming off that big game against Chicago, too. You know yeah. they, they had things to build on, and the Lions shut him down except for that one run. And then also, I just want to mention Romeo O'Quara one more time. He continues to impress me. Six tackles, two for a loss, and a sack. This is the guy they brought in for Zettel. He's playing great. Also, the Bama boys, I'm going to start calling them that. I like it. A'shaun Robinson and Deshaun Han. They uh, had a 90.8 rating and an 89.9 rating, respectively. Um, Quandre Diggs flying around up there. He's balling out with a broken hand. <laughs> Love to see that. That is That just screams Detroit. And then... Ricky Jean Francois had the fifth two sack game for a Lions player this season, and that is the most in the NFL. So pretty solid week from the defense. Now
0: going back to my question, and I, I might be a bit redundant and, and back to the quality win. And I don't want to focus on the on the Dolphins so much anymore, but and, and I feel like we do this every year, and we've we've done it on this show so far where you know the Lions are up, then they're down. They're up, then they're down, and you're not sure, you know, they're they're beating teams, they shouldn't, and losing yeah. the teams, whatever. Um I guess my question is, after this after this win, I mean I, I guess I just want to know where your head's at. Are you still skeptical of this team? Is it hard for you to hang your head on this win and go, you know what? They they were rolling into the bye week to an extent. They they you know, had some time to rest, make adjustments, they get a big win on the road in Miami, and by big I mean they for all intents and purposes blew out Miami and many aspects of that game. Are you still skeptical, or is it time to just completely buy in and no more excuses, and then this team should go full tilt, win the division, into the playoffs, all that jazz?
2: Still skeptical, but I was pretty impressed by Patricia's coaching job coming out of the bye. I mean, they looked ready, and they dominated that game. And I think I, I think the thing I was most impressed, I mean, Stafford played really good, and he's played really good yeah. the last five games. I, I think he's had a passer rating over 100 the last five games, which – Leads NFL and actively, and is a Detroit Lions record, but eight different receivers caught the ball on Sunday. Mm-hmm. Spreading it out like that is like crazy. I mean, the most, the Golden Tate had four receptions. That was the most out of any receiver.
1: Everybody who was targeted had a catch.
2: It, yeah, that's pretty impressive to see. But I mean, I wouldn't go around and say this team's a 10 sits 6 team yet. I mean, you beat Seattle and then you get into that division meet and the divisions right in front of them. I will say that. Yeah. I mean, they could easily win this division. I truly believe that, though.
1: This division race is pretty tight, um, but I, the biggest concern I have at this point to answer the question: uh, just too many penalties. Like Nevin Lawson, what are you doing? You know, <laughs> uh, holding calls that take away. Right. You know, there was another big holding call. I forget who was on, but took away Galladay touchdown. I uh, had to settle for a field right goal. Right It was on. right, was right now. Right now. Uh, yeah. Okay. So just things like that. Like you got to clean up the penalties, man. Like. That will that will make the world's difference, and like like you said, the reason I'm buying in and the reason that I am hanging my hat on this one is because Stafford has looked flawless. He has not made many mistakes at all since that Jets disaster, and and since that game, he has 11 touchdowns to one interception. And like you said, he's at a hundred plus passer rating in every single game. He hasn't thrown a week, interception since week three against the Patriots, and he is is capable of getting hot, and he's just going to get hotter. The Seattle Seahawks defense, we'll talk about that game later, but he's they're not what they used to be. So I, I look for Stafford to, to continue to be intense, continue to keep, keep the tempo up and Jim Bob Cooter will continue to run the ball. And it will just, I I'm, I'm buying in.
0: I, I, I want to talk division now, because as you brought up, Trent, like I am maybe more so than any other season. I cannot wait to get into playing, playing the Vikings, playing the bears, playing the Packers again. I mean, this is a division that it's as tight as it is, it's wide open at the same time because, you know, the, the Bears have kind of exposed themselves. They're they're 3-3 three and three as well. The Vikings have looked horrible in some games, and they've looked really good in some games. The Packers, again, they the Packers to me, and I will say this for at least the foreseeable future, they only go as far as Aaron Rodgers takes them. I don't think anyone else on that team proves a very big threat to any other team in the league, let alone the division. So I mean I, I, I still think the the division is again, as tight as it is, it's it, it's wide open. But I mean that begs the question before you really get into the meat of the division, if we, we wanna kinda shift gears here and and take a look at Seattle, uh, first of all, is this a must win game? And I know that that's that that term and that question is so overplayed. <laughs> if it's a must win or what's yeah. you know, every game should be a must win game. But I mean you look at again, we, we have this continuing theme of you know, building consistency, stringing wins together, beating beating pretty solid football teams. Uh, Collins, I'll start with you. In your mind, is this if if the Lions go out and lose to the to the Seahawks next Sunday, is it absolutely unacceptable to you, or do you think they
2: can still move on and, and play even having this loss? I mean, on the schedule, they can move on, but I, I mean, looking at the schedule, if they don't get the Seattle game, they could lose four in a row. They honestly could because mm-hmm. they go at Minnesota, at Chicago, and then you got a red hot Carolina Panthers team coming to Ford Field. So I think it's important that they get the job done, but I don't think it's. I think the Miami game was more essential for them to get to one because 500 is a lot better than two and four. Just, I, I don't know. There's something about yeah. it. There's a like no, certain records that like two and four and like three and three. Give yourself a shot, I believe. So, I think they they gotta win this team. I think like I just changed my mind in the middle of this thing about it. I no, think like it. yeah, yeah. I think they have to win a beaten down Seattle team whose locker room is kind of eh, I don't know what's going on in there nowadays. So, mm-hmm. I mean, they still have Russell Wilson, and that's always a threat. So, they it's with Ford Field behind them. You gotta win this team. because I you I don't expect the Lions to go to Minnesota and to. To Chicago and sweep that slate, and I think that's the type of fender to need if they want to make the playoffs.
1: Yeah, um, I agree. <clears throat> I think it's an important win uh, by all means. It's an important game. You got You got to win. You got to beat this Seattle team that's not that good. They're like, let's just tell how it is. They're not that good. This this Dolphins game was big. Take that momentum into next week. Build on it. I'll be there. By the way, I just found that out really? today. Really? Yep. Nice. My brother's a season ticket holder. He is letting me go. So I awesome. Am, I'm excited, but um. I, I I'll continue to say this. If the, that, the Panthers and the Rams game are the two left in the schedule that I am like, I, th- I, I'd love to say we'll go and zero. I think we'll drop one of them. And I just, they're both at home. That's why, you know, and I'm, I'm confident the lions could go and zero in those games, but I'm going to keep saying this as well. You got the bills and the Cardinals, two of the worst teams in the NFL mm-hmm. in the last four weeks. If you're 500 around 500 going into those games, I think those games become huge but I still feel more comfortable. So, so I would really, really like to see a win against Seattle.
0: What's your what What's your one if you if you had to pick just one? Your key to it because Seattle Seattle's a funny team. Again, again, like I th-
2: I just thought Seattle was like some bad. team. I mean, they're three and three too, so they're yeah. still fighting for yeah. their playoff. It just votes. you know,
0: you you think when you think Seattle, you think uh, you know this this unbelievable defense, which they're I mean, they're they're really not anymore. And I guess you know, yeah, with with Russell Wilson, I'm not as high on him as other people are, but He's still a threat. So if you if you
2: have to pick one key to, to to win this game, what is it for you guys? It's I think it's Russell Wilson's only. He, I think the last two years it's basically been behind a broken offensive line in Seattle. Russell Wilson's basically running for his life and trading an offense with a decent receivers. Tyler Lockett can stretch you downfield. But I think the key to the Lions is that they don't Tyler Lockett doesn't get behind them. I think slay has gotta have a little bit better of a game than he's had the last two weeks. I think he's had I mean, he had a pass breakup in the end zone, but I think Slay's been a little bit less dominant than he's been the past year and a half, the last couple of weeks. So I think that's important. And I th- I, I, really, truly think if their interior if their defense plays good every week, I think they have a chance to win. Pretty, That's plain and simple to me.
1: My big key is just Stafford needs to stay hot because I know that this defense will bend but don't break. That's what they've been all year. Mm-hmm. That's their identity, and quite frankly, like that's okay because the this offense, if – if they're playing, if they're operating at the highest level that Stafford has shown he's capable of, they can beat anybody. And it's for me, it's like you know the the um the Tate Jones Galladay trio was coming off probably their quietest game of the season, right? And I don't think that's very that part. Part of that is in a tribute to on Johnson. Like let's let's be honest, he was the you know the run game was working, they're handing it off to him, controlling time of possession. One thing and,
2: about I don't want to interrupt oh, you, Trent, but one thing about the run game that they did do this week, they shuffled out offensive alignment a lot. Mm. They said they did that do the heat. I wonder if they do that this week just because they were so successful. Sorry, but I just No, you're good. Yeah, yeah, like Kenny, Kenny Wiggins Wigan
1: yeah. stepping in for TJ yeah. Lang the past few weeks. He got those snaps and he he feels confident now. So, yeah, um I I would just say Stafford needs to continue to lead this team. Don't make many mistakes. Russell Wilson is going to make a couple plays where you're like, okay, you can't do anything about that. You know, he's how tall is he?
2: Like oh, six feet tall. Uh, Isaiah Lewis Maybe. knows that. He, so <laughs>
1: he's six feet tall and Ashawn Robinson six four and three thirty, and he's coming as fast as he can. You know, like I, yeah. I get it. Russell's gonna make a couple plays, but Stafford's gonna outball him, I think. And uh yeah, that's to me, to me, that is the biggest, the biggest key to the win is Matt Stafford.
0: All right, now as we get to segue, as, as Trent is Trent is uh, foreshadowing a win for the Lions here. This is something, admittedly, we should have done since week one. I don't know why I didn't think of it, but now I oh I cannot wait to put, to, to cue this song up. It is time for the first time here on the Motown Rundown. Chills. It's the picks, and it's literally just one pick because we only care about one team here on the show. <laughs> The Seattle Seahawks are visiting Ford Field on Sunday at 1 p.m. The opening spread, the Lions are favored by three. The over-under, 49.5. So, we're going to start keeping track of this because if you guys are screwing up and Trent starts out 0-6, he's going to get some heat for it on the show. <laughs> There's maybe a good
1: chance that happens, we I'm can, just going to say. We
0: can, we can maybe figure out some, some side bet here over how we finish at the end of the year, but Ooh. I'll kick it off here. My pick, I'll give you the score. I've got Lions twenty-seven, Seahawks twenty-three. That is a Lions to cover. And I guess if my math is correct, that's a that's a 50 point game there. So I'm taking the over because life is too short to bet the under. Lions twenty seven, Seahawks twenty three. Ryan Collins on the clock.
2: I'm gonna take the Lions to cover, and it's this team's going way over. Okay, Way over. Okay. I like the Lions, 42-35.
0: Wow. I think mean, it makes me feel terrible about Way my Way over.
1: Let's go. I'm going to agree with you guys. Lions are covering. They're going to win 34-24. I'm, so I'm saying over. I'm saying a high-score game. 34-24 Lions get the win. This isn't one of
2: those Lions games, and I thought last week was almost going to turn in that, where you're like, oh, the Lions are going to win this game. You're kind of like sleepy on yeah. your couch on Sunday morning. <laughs> yeah. And then... Russell Wilson ties it up with, like, two minutes. And you're like, uh-oh, what? Yeah. Are they going to win? Uh, I don't know. And then Stafford leads him down the field for a touchdown to win. That's what's happened. happening. 42-35. Right.
0: There it is from Ryan Collins, Trent Bailey, and myself. We're going to lock those picks in. Now, we have it on tape, so we have no excuses to forget about yes. this. Yes.
2: It's documented. Yes. That's perfect. Are we going to pick the Lions every week? We, uh, you we'll know see. I am. Come on. Trent, Trent might, but we got to <laughs> r-
0: try to remain unbiased here. We all
2: have the same <laughs> right. Yeah, it'd be great.
0: Anyways, that is all for today's episode of the Motown Rundown. As always, I'm Ryan Rabinowitz for Trent Bailey and Ryan Collins. Once again, feel free to tweet any questions, comments, concerns, suggest some topics for the show at RyanRabinowitz4 using the hashtag Motown Rundown. We will see you next time.